Welcome to the African Tech Roundup. It's episode 21, and today, like every Monday, we round up the week's most important technology, digital, and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andy Dimasubu, broadcaster and entrepreneur, and my co-host on the show, as always, is tech entrepreneur and executive editor of iAfrican.com, Defo Mohapi. How's it, Brew? I'm good, man. Dude, tell me a little bit about the Wits University Hackathon you've been involved with. Yeah, it was a grueling four weeks. I mean, it involved a lot of workshops where the first two workshops, uh, two weekends, the uh, students or the people participating weren't coding at all. So we're trying to do some idea validation and problem definition. There was actually not too much coding, but more about making sure that the solutions they come up with are quite sustainable for Wits. Given our, you know, our cheeky conversations about a hackathon here, a hackathon there, and a hackathon everywhere, where, where does this hackathon you were involved with sort of feature in the scheme of things you know i'm biased i'm gonna say it's good <laughs> you killed it right yeah we killed it <laughs> <laughs> i can believe that given how professor Dolaski and all that amazing work they do at advits I, I i imagine it was probably above average yeah, I mean, uh, great thanks to Professor Dwalatsky for involving us and allowing us to work with him. They do quite great work at VIT. Listen, if you're new to the show, head straight to africantechroundup.com. You can catch up what you've been missing on there. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter to get the podcast sent straight to your inbox every Monday. No mess, no fuss. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at African Roundup. We now also have a Facebook page. So go to facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. <laughs> And later on in the show, we'll talk a little bit about just how far mobile telephony has come and what kind of future we can all look forward to. Before we get into all that, this week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Imagination Info Solutions. Imagination is an information management and consulting company. They help businesses create reports that are meaningful and insightful. Reports that actually assist the business user make the right decisions and focus on what matters most. You see, most managers and employees want to do great work, but sometimes face great challenges in accessing the right information. Trying to extract data using internal IT teams can be helpful, but sometimes the backlog of work that IT faces means that they're not in a position to get you what you need right away, leaving you to build your own reporting solutions, most likely using Excel. Well, not unless you're an imagination client. Visit imagination.co.za to find out why clients are raving about their information management solutions. And now, onto the news. We start with a crazy scam in South Africa. This is a scam done by five Ugandans and one Malawian nationals in South Africa. South African intelligence, the Hawks, in collaboration with the South African Police Services Crime Intelligence, um, have foiled illegal activities linked to more than 104 illegal transactions in Gauteng, which is the biggest economic province in South Africa alone. And um, they're expected to find even more criminal activities as investigations continue. Yeah, I mean, how the scam worked was uh, these guys seem to have hacked the government supplier database for Gauteng. So they had access to all the suppliers for the Gauteng government. And they, in turn, would pretend to be Gauteng government placing orders with these suppliers. What's crazy is now they would, in, in addition to placing the order, inform the supplier where they ought to buy what's being ordered <laughs> and then demand deposits. For, dude, wait, I'm just, my head is spinning here at the brilliance of this plan. I'm sorry. 
how they thought about this. I cannot even fathom how they started to think about this. Okay, so let me start again. So they pretend to be government. They order something from a supplier that's listed on the database. They inform that supplier that they need to procure this stuff from a specific place. They create this very elaborate online portal that's selling all the content that they're pretending to sell, receiving deposits up front for the stuff, only for people to discover much later on that no such order was placed and that the site basically doesn't exist to anything legitimate. Very elaborate, I tell you. Eh, 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 eh. Using tech for bad things. Our next story excites me because my older brother, Dumo, suffers from asthma and this could be great for him and a whole host of other people who suffer from the same ailment. An asthma attack predictor has been invented and has in fact won first prize at the Innovation Summit in South Africa. It's a great device and I hope it was there when I was still young because I, I have this wheezy voice because I had asthma and allergies and grew up in the township where there's a lot of dust and smoke. And, yeah. But this device is the size of a cell phone so and it allows asthma sufferers to be able to predict at which point they're going to have their asthma attacks, where they can get their medication or pumps, etc. Only cool thing I remember about having asthma as a kid is you didn't have to do sports and stuff. I mean, and, and the, uh, the asthma pump was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. But yeah, it, it often, oftentimes I'd, I'd watch my brother get an asthma attack at the most inopportune time. And certainly if there's anything that could predict uh, a young child um, or certainly, you know, someone suffering from asthma uh, would at least give them an indication of when they're in a danger zone and, and do something to proactively protect them against that. Excellent thing. Well done to Moses Kibalipile, a doctoral candidate in inhalation toxicology at the University of Pretoria. Oh, that's a mouthful. Well, well done to you, sir. <laughs> and our final story, and yes, it's been a pretty slow news week. You know, our dedication to bringing only the biggest news and leaving out all the fluff. Well, this is certainly a big story. Out of Nigeria, Nigeria deciding to deploy drones to fight oil theft. Yeah, and this is not in the Niger Delta. This is at the ports and harbors where it seems like ships just go missing with shipments of oil. Apparently, the Nigerian government has already been trying to combat all sorts of corruption at the ports by changing its staff complement at ports every 90 days. That's got to be expensive and cumbersome. Very cumbersome, I can imagine. But hopefully with these drones monitoring the ships as they transport, getting in and out of uh, harbors, to ports to transport the oil shipments, it might help. <laughs> it just occurred to me that working at the ports might be an entrepreneurial endeavor. <laughs> that gives you 90 days to basically milk the opportunity for all it's worth. And the government's like, oh my word, enough. Not only that, it's, not, it's probably not just costing the government in, in, in terms of losing face, but really costing the government in terms of lost business as business relocates to safer ports. Yeah, I mean, lost taxes, shipments going missing. I mean, you can imagine how much tax is lost, company losing their shipments, again, losing profits. So it's quite interesting. Just need to make sure that the guys who control the remote controls for the for the drones are quite reliable. Yes, now you have to worry about how often you change your drone operators. You probably need to change them at least once a month. Or they don't just switch off conveniently the cameras when the ship just goes off somewhere. <laughs> or the drone doesn't go start sightseeing in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, here, here's to uh, hoping it, it works out for them. And by the way, a few weeks ago, we covered the fact that Safaricom had now opened access to their API, at least the API for, for M-Pesa, to what they said was pre-vetted developers. And we, we haven't seen much action yet. Are you a pre-vetted uh, developer? 
Are you busy with something that you'd like us to know about? We'd certainly like to hear how, how excited you are. This is easily one of the more anticipated um, APIs to be opened up of late on the continent. And strangely, we're not hearing much from developers on the continent who may or may not be doing something with it. Yeah, and we'd also like to know what you have access to. What APIs do you have access to? What can you do with it? Can you get transaction details reported back to you? What can you do with it? Please get in touch. Well, yeah, look, this might be a good time to let you know how to reach us. Uh, you can do so on Twitter very easily using the handle at African Roundup. Let us know. Use the hashtag ATRU. You'll get our attention and we'd like to know what you're up to if you're busy with that API. Now, our final story is not really much of a story it's more of a celebration and it leads us beautifully into our discussion topic now my first phone ever 2001 uh was a a little phone by nokia nokia was easily the biggest uh, mobile company at the time and they made this little phone called the 3310 it's 15th birthday last week wednesday the 2nd of september how excited are you Yeah, man. I mean, that phone, I think, was the AK-47 of telecoms. Dude, the Peugeot 404 of (laughs) mobile. If you lived in Africa, anywhere in Africa, uh, between 1980 and 1995, you'll know exactly what a Peugeot 404 is. Yeah, definitely. But that phone, I mean, even MTN South Africa at some point, I think in the first or second year of it going into into sale, announced it as their best-selling device. And you had a lot of competition there. So today we want to talk about just how far mobile telephony has come and what kind of future we can all look forward to. So obvious thing that comes to mind is, for me, thinking about the 3310 and fast-forwarding to, you know, 2015, is battery. How heavy was that battery? Well, it was heavy, but it lasted like seven days or more, even with usage. You'd think, though, that, uh, you know, over 15 years, we'd, you know, we'd have come light years from where we were 15 years ago in terms of battery life and how long it lasts and also its portability, lightness and stuff like that. I think uh, what we're seeing currently and over the years, what we've been seeing is a compromise from design and compromising on on functionality of batteries, but concentrating more on the design. I think they can still make long-lasting batteries, but I think the case now is they might not look so sexy. I also sense that they might be huge invested in the supply chain of the making of these batteries, at least old ones that don't work as well as they should, that, quite frankly, you know, mobile makers aren't ready to stop milking it yet. Yeah, I think there's no incentive for them. And I think the whole, it's, it's unfortunate because the whole battery thing is more centered around the Western world and the developed world where electricity is constant. But uh, why the Nokia 3310 and other phones were successful on the continent was because they lasted long, even in rural areas. Now there's even a sub-industry around helping your battery last even longer, which I believe the battery companies are well behind. Certainly no incentive in the near, in the near future to get batteries lasting longer um, than they currently do now, I think. Yeah, it's like petrol and cars and solar and yeah, there's no incentive for them. Then also what strikes me as different is the 3310, uh, certainly a computer in many respects relative to computers that started the whole whole computing thing many decades ago, but nothing like the, the machines we have in our hands today. The computing power of the current smartphones is much, much better than the computing power that existed back then when the 3310 was around. Yeah, even more computing power than a lot of the PCs and laptops of the day. 
Yeah, definitely. But also what's interesting, which is the next point and the difference of how far we've come apart from the battery life is how so many devices have converged into the smartphone. If your if your smartphone uh, doesn't have a great camera, doesn't allow you to keep as many uh, contacts as you've ever had in your life, uh, doesn't allow you to keep up with your dates and have a great video camera, allows you to navigate. If it can't do all that, including having your entire library on board, able to read at any time, these days, um, Sony doesn't count as a smartphone. Yeah, I mean, the smartphone has even killed the iPod. Who would have thought? Dude, and now let's talk a little bit about maybe the future, you know? Aside from the, the trend of lifestyle brands uh, or brands quite far away from tech becoming tech brands in order to, to surf this huge trend, you, you know, we think of brands like Red Bull. I mean, what else do you think uh, we can, you know, in terms of a future of, of, of mobile? What, what do you see? I see more wearables. It's not even future. It's already happening. So you've got your Fitbits and all sorts of wearable devices already taking over. So they already communicate with your phone, but some of them could slowly start becoming independent of your phone. So you start talking there about Internet of Things and things like that. But also, I think why we'll see a future and very fast moving away from using a mobile phone is how it's it's friction between you and communicating or doing what you want. Uh, mobile phone apart from listening to music you have to look at the screen you have to hold it in your hand and look at the screen which is not natural from a design perspective that's not natural because it creates you need to stop everything you're doing and look at it and tell it what you're doing or email a person or etc where areas with the future moving more towards not very near future moving more towards implants for various devices or various uses that could be where the future is going also, I'm just trying to imagine how different my life would have been if the very first time I'd made contact or had access to the internet would have been on my mobile. I wonder how different my attitude to the web would be, my use of it would be, because um, certainly that's a trend that's set to continue, at least on the continent. Yeah, I mean, lots of research has been going on, and we know that most people on the continent access for the first time the internet on their on their mobile phones and via Facebook, if we can say that. So, yeah, it's an interesting trend. What about the fact that besides all these brands, uh, you know, flooding the market with all sorts of devices, many of them Android, a lot of the components are still made by, you know, a select few. It's almost a monopoly in many respects. Yeah, I mean, it's become, you're right, it's only a handful that make the components. So it's become more like a, a lifestyle branding thing. So you have people coming out with their own brand of phone. But if you pull it apart and unbundle it, you find that the component is made by companies that you already know. So it's not really new technology coming through on phones, but just rearranging of old things. But what's also interesting, earlier we talked about how a lot of devices have converged on the phone. With wearables and possibly implants going into the future, we might go back to unbundling things from the phone so having a wearable your glasses being a camera your video camera like google glass and doing certain functions on their own and having your fitbit independent of your mobile phone reporting back with an internet connection of its own back to a cloud server so we might see an unbundling and a more natural um, use of tech and we it won't be a mobile phone and i think that will be better strangely less invasive but more invasive at the same time in a crazy way paradox 
paradox. My goodness. What do you think? Uh, we'd like to hear from you. What is your sense of the progress we've made over the last 15 years? 15 years ago, just over 15 years ago, the, the Nokia 3310 was launched and changed the world for many of us. And in many respects, one would never have guessed then that Nokia would not only be a faltering giant 15 years later, but that mobile would have come as far as it has. What has surprised you? Uh, what do you expect to see coming forward? What are some of the th- trends that you're excited about being part of going forward? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line on Twitter at African Roundup. And of course, we're on Facebook now. On Facebook, we're facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Once again, this week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Imagination Info Solutions. They help businesses create reports that are meaningful and insightful. Reports that actually assist the business user to make the right decisions and focus on what matters most. To find out how Imagination can take the pain out of your business reporting needs, visit imagination.co.za. That's e hyphen imagination.co.za and discover why clients are raving about their information management solutions. Well, that does it for this week, folks. Until next week, it's cheers from me, Andile Masugu, and... Ah, wait, my phone battery is dead. I wish I had a 3310. Cheers, guys. (laughs) Cheers.